Blackberry candy cane. People get cut. It's life. Film's a collaborative medium. I'll send you a cup and paybacks a bitch. Together forever. Clear. We are the weirdos. I am a god. Second chances, they don't expire until midnight. Hello, friends. Specifically, you, friend, Jordan. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Sam. Uh, happy almost New Year to you. Happy almost New Year. We really have come to the closing moments, the final stretch of 2021. What a whirlwind of a season we have had just now. Just this minute. <laughs> yeah. Just this minute. I In mean, our present time, what a whirlwind it's been. It has been the month of December for Ots Tyrion. We we squeezed so much into so little. And you know what? We did that last year, too. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it wasn't going to go any other way. It, it's not going to go any other way at the Christmas season for you. It's not. This is this is the... I, I come alive for this season. I was born for this <laughs> yeah. season. Like, I mean, listen, they say Jesus was born for this season. Mm-mm, it was me. <laughs> Jesus, I think, was resurrected for this season. No, that was the other was that season. Easter? Is that's, he resurrected in Easter? Easter. Both mm, have okay. a lot of candy. I get Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> Resurrection treats. But luckily, we are we are past Christmas. So for mm. those of you who have an aversion to Christmas, it is still the holidays. You're not out yet. Yeah, you're not out yet. And to any to any of the hundreds of you who decided to revisit or hear for the first time the Silent Night episode from Friends. last year. What? I love that. What a reveal. Absolutely. Like one of our one of our lowest uh attended to episodes now our most downloaded to date. Our most downloaded episode. Over the past month, more is than three hundred is new- the snow globe view on Silent Night. Wow. I mean, look, I love that episode. I'm glad I that everybody too. else realized the gem that it is. <laughs> Yeah, if anybody, if any, if you, if any of you out there were were one among those, feel free to, excuse me, feel free to find us on Twitter and tell us what led you there. Because I'm just curious. Um, Was it something on Twitter? Was there a reissue of Silent Night? I would just love to know the news peg that brought droves to wanting to listen to the Silent Night episode a year after its release. People were feeling festive. What can I say? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Feel free to, you know, feel free to go investigate our so, other episodes. I promise they're very good. What I will say is that this is for sure going to be our lowest rated episode this year. <laughs> because there is no one trying to find out about New Year's Eve 2011. But maybe by the same magic. Maybe. This time next year, New Year's Eve 2011 with its 7% on Rotten Tomatoes will it's be so possible. Our highest rated episode. This, it, is anything a rare, this is a rare instance where I do think the Rotten Tomatoes score is is appropriate actually. I I hear you. I'm going to I'm going to say I'm not there. Oh, only yeah. and, and, and not as not as a not as a reflection of like anything I would change, but I'm just like, yeah, it's a seven. You know what? Good. It it got the it got this. It was assigned the score that it earned. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, and I I wouldn't. I'm not saying I'd do anything differently, but I am saying I think it's the right score. But let's contextualize. I let me allow me to explain myself. Yeah. Okay. So I am coming in with both. This is to me. This is a Black Xmas situation. So mm. I saw Black Xmas in theaters. 
I didn't go for it. It was not for me at first. Right. And we talked about this in the Black Excellence episode, which I highly recommend you all listen to. It has uh, Chelsea Stardust as our guest. And it is a fantastic it's so good. reevaluation of this cultural moment. I, I, It took me a little bit to get there. And in repeat watches, in the kind of like bombastic whatever of it that I, that I grew to love. Uh-huh. With New Year's Eve, it was 2011. I was there in that theater going, I was so excited because here's what happened. It was 2011. New, Valentine's Day had come out in 2010. And Valentine's yeah. Day, also directed by Gary Marshall, was That's right. garbage. I saw it and <laughs> I, I, I mean, I saw it because it had Taylor Swift and Taylor Lautner while they were yep. dating. And hell yeah, I'll show yeah. up for that. Mm-hmm. Two Taylors, fuck yeah. Yeah, Taylor times two. Total, it was a snooze fest. So I knew coming into New Year's Eve, I saw the commercial and this movie was barely decipherable you don't mess with serendipity that's what new year's is all about is it new year's eve is it so raise your glass if you i had <laughs> no idea what i was getting into friends you can watch the trailer if you want to i good luck yeah so I, i'm looking forward to watching it after this recording now because it, even there were multiple points throughout the movie while we were we were like chatting in a box alongside watching this together and i was like it feels like this movie either is it has to end like right now like right. it's like we've been here forever or it has to go on for three, for more, three hours more hours to yeah. amount to allow for the runway for the emotional stakes to build up high enough for any of this to mean anything it it's a so in a lot of ways like uh the way the last two years of the pandemic were where like time is both infinite and also it's like is this about to end yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's the experience of watching new year's eve so I was there in theaters and and I I was so, you know me with my ADHD. This is a this movie is a feast for a person with ADHD. I mean, it's like you're going to get a new character every scene. That's something every Jordan scene. pointed out. Amazing. There is yeah. actually a new character introduced every scene all the way to the end of the film. <laughs> all the I'm way talking to like the end. surprise Alyssa Milano's in this. It's like, "Wait, what? Aren't the credits about to roll?" Yeah, yes. we are we're yes, moments they are. from the end. No, that's Here the she end. Is. Um it, but also <laughs> this thing happens to me that like if I start to tune out like when they start putting the 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 plot together, I fell asleep. I woke up and I looked and I looked at my friend Kathy because I was there with my best friend. I was like, "Did I miss anything?" She's like, "Yeah, the ball dropped." <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit. So the, the first time I saw the movie, know, I didn't even see that. The only thing we know we're building up toward is the ball dropping. That's the, the only thing that that is for sure that the like the crux of the film. So I missed <laughs> yeah. it. So of course I had to go back and revisit the next year. And a year later, after being away from this film, I saw it at home and it was so ridiculous yeah. that it became this staple in my New Year's diet. Every year since it came out. I have watched this with a group of people, or in the case of you, Jordan, you and I, enjoying yeah. this together. You are now a part of my tra- tradition. You're <laughs> yeah, my family now. Thank God. And, and, and each year, it has gotten more and more delicious in its audacity. This uh, film. The audacity. This film. This film is, you said something about this, and I'm going to bring it up. You said this feels like a 1970s comedy. <laughs> yeah. It is so, it is so corny. That it's like this couldn't possibly have been made in the tens. No way. Like it. Like we. This is so broad and PG thirteen. It is so hokey and it's wholesome. so hokey. It is a lot of H's. It's a lot of huzz. Listen, yeah. this and and here. This is what I want to tell you. Here in the year twenty twenty one, we are celebrating the tenth anniversary oh, of yeah. New Year's Eve. And let me tell you. There is no one else out there celebrating that. 
No, there is this not. This is an Ots Cheerion exclusive. We are here to <laughs> rig right. in the new year with Gary Marshall's 7%er New Year's Eve. And I <laughs> couldn't be happier. No, I do, I do love, I do love that for us. And, um, it it really, you know, hopefully this does become the silent night of the of the 2021 well, season because who who else but us? Who else but us is gathered for this cause? And here's the thing. Jordan, even I, I am here. I want to, I want to bring you through as much as we chatted last night, going through the movie at the same time. I hope that I can give you a lens in which to just experience a little bit more joy with this <laughs> in, in its retelling. I and mean, look I forward definitely, to... I, I was absolutely having a very good time the entire time I was watching because it's hard to, it's almost hard to believe. <laughs> It's so loosely strung together. Yes. And it's happening so fast yet so slow. And it, like you said, new character every scene and then like in jumping to emotional conclusions, just leaping to emotional conclusions and the absolutely insane level of randomization of this cast. Oh we my God. Joey McIntyre. Of new kids on the block for about a minute, this and movie, then just never see him again. A fucking Rubik's cube of casting because you keep Unreal. thinking they're trying to complete one side. No, no, they're all connected. None of them are connected. This is a mess. I I gotta say, if you are at home and you're like, oh well, shit, maybe I should go watch this. Don't worry about it. I'm gonna tell <laughs> you because. We're going to take you through it, and I'm going to tell you also, this is not a movie to watch by yourself. No, don't do, don't it. do that. Don't do it. At the, end of the, it. at the end of watching this, Jordan had said she was glad we watched it together, and yes. I would not wish this upon – do not – don't do it. It's not – there's no I know you got it locked and loaded. watching this by yourself. Don't do it. Just stop, just stop yourself. Wait until yeah. you have a loved one. Watch it with them. <laughs> yeah. You will have the best fucking time. This yeah. is not there, a, there will like, be a lot there for you if there's yeah. anyone Look, with I, you. I get it. Some people like watching Rocky Horror Picture Show alone by themselves. That's not me. Yeah, yeah. Watch it with a friend. Now, here's, here's why this is important culturally and why this is such a perfect follow-up to Love Actually. So <laughs> Love Actually started a trend of ensemble pieces in the aughts that, that – First stretched into like the Oscar realm. Like we see like Crash and Closer and Sin City. Each one with these like, they have these different chapters that are all unfolding with like big cast members doing things. And it's like, wow, Love Actually could actually be like, we could take this into like the serious indie zone. But then those kind of like fizzled out mid 2000s. And then in 2010, along clunkers like Valentine's Day. And we're like, truly oh, like shit. In, or the 2000 that, in the way that the roommate and like Texas Chainsaw 3D are arriving on like the absolute fumes yes. of the gas tank of 2000s yes. horror these are fumes. these rom-coms are arriving on the fumes it's, of 2000s romantic comedies it's wild because he's just not that into you which is based on a mid-aughts right, era yeah. best-selling book which like by the way this has nothing to do with that movie and and if you read the book <laughs> the messaging in the book very different than the messing messaging of he's just not that into you which is like oh, he wow. actually is pretty into you this is oh. love actually period like yeah, it's like okay got it oh wow i thought this was like the book is about like loving yourself and like finding i guess it's like it really is just really it's what's on the cover but then they reproduce it for 20 200 pages it's like okay yeah. got it 
Um, but it's supposed to be like a tough love, like you do you girl kind of thing. Choose and then he's you. just not that into you comes along and it's an actual rom-com ensemble <laughs> piece. It was like, people were like, Hey, you know, those ensemble pieces, we kind of got away from the whole love actually of it all. Let's do the love actually of it all, but for Valentine's day. And they were like, yeah, you know what? Let's do it. And that's, he's just not that into you. And then they were like, well, fuck it. Why do we call it? He's just not that into you. Let's just call it Valentine's day. And guess what? A year later, we got Valentine's day. Yeah. And that movie made hand over fist fucking dollars i mean this is like like people showed up and trust me they were let down but people showed up (laughs) and the word of mouth could not travel fast enough to stop people from going through those doors (laughs) and and it made so much money that one year later yep we got the release one year later so we went one year from he's just said you to valentine's day then valentine's day one year later to new year's eve and new year's eve is the bastardization of a trend that had almost completely died and then have been revived at the end of the aughts decade. This and is he, definitely a reanimated corpse. This is, I mean, and, and here's the fun part. The, we will it's get to this. It's also an exquisite corpse. It's an exquisite corpse. You never, in a, what's that? It, no, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. I'm it's right it's an exquisite you. corpse situation. Like this is somebody reading, re- creating a line of, of story. And then the next person comes in and creates another line and they didn't hear what the previous person said. Like, that is the is, experience is, of New Year's Eve. It is that game. No, it feels like it. And here's, because of this, you would think like, okay, in Valentine's Day, people still feel like they don't know what they're in. Yeah. They don't know that that's what this is. They all think it's going to be love, actually. Yeah. Not New Year's Eve, folks. These people, <laughs> everybody read the fucking tea leaves in the bottom of their cup. These actors fucking knew. And they take swings that are... I mean, out of this world. We have Michelle <laughs> Pfeiffer as a cat lady. Not a cat, not cat woman. Yeah. A cat lady. Like she is, she is the Mimi Rogers of this film. She is the mousiest mouse. She's mm-hmm. here at As work. I told Sam when we were watching, I didn't think it was possible to have Michelle Pfeiffer look that homely. I didn't think it was actually physically possible. I feel like Michelle Pfeiffer was like, all right, fine. I'll do it. But here, under this condition, I'm homely. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, it's like, like this movie is so wild. It's like when Mother's Day came out in 2016 and it's like Julia Roberts was like, I'll do it under one condition. You give me a crazy wig. (laughs) And Gary Marshall was like, yes, ma'am. So before we get into like the meat of it all, I do want to say because it's the 10th anniversary uh, and and, and it is reflect like one of the first comments Jordan made while we were watching this was 2011 was a different world. It was a, I mean, it, it, like, you watch this and it's like, this is centuries ago. Like, oh my God. We talk about how much we've, how much has happened just since the pandemic and us changing culturally. But I'm talking like, you want to look at 2011 and you realize the aughts era is another generation. In our generation, we were looking 20 years back for trends. Like, we were looking at the 80s to feel older. Yeah. Not Gen Z. All Gen Z has to do is look at 2011, and they're like, wow, that was ages ago. That was And that's ages why ago. all this shit is cropping up now as a trend. So just to paint a picture, I'm going to give you just a couple of current events from 2011, and they will <laughs> – they and I've only selected the ones that feel brand new enough that, like, didn't that just happen and also feel so old? It's like, it's always been that way. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca Black's Friday. Okay, that's pretty old, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Charlie Sheen's meltdown. That was that wow. was pop culture fodder, right? That was that then. was the Tiger Blood year. That was yes, Tiger wow. Blood year. This is also the year that James James Franco and Anne Hathaway hosted the Oscars. Oh my! Didn't that just God. happen? No. This is the year that Prince William married Kate Middleton. 
This is the year that Bridesmaids made $170 million at the box office. Bridesmaids came out that long ago? And let me give you the top four songs of 2011. Number four, E.T. by Katy Perry. What? I'm sorry. Yes. Number four of the whole year. Number three, Firework, Katy Perry. Number yeah, two. Katy. Party Rock Anthem, LMFAO. And number oh. one, Introducing Rolling in the Deep by Adele. Wow. 2011 was this year that I think is... Holy it, shit. This is a year where we can sense that things are changing, but we're still... Ha- like, it's this not a girl, not yet a woman year, I think, culturally. And it's also, it also like, particularly with um, Teenage Dream being there and um, Adele's 25... 21. Is that 21? 21. Yeah, Adele's 21 being there. That does feel like feels like the very end of the monoculture. Yep. Like, it is those the, were, that is such a good way to put uh, it because this that is... That album, like, Adele is, like, the last four-quadrant star. Yeah. And, and obvious, per- obviously 30, uh, 31 was a, you know, whatever the uh, Adele album has just come out is a big deal. But 21 changed the world like that movie it felt like it that that album felt like it was winning grammys for literally three years i think That's, adele collected a I grammy think it was, i mean four songs from that album for multiple years and it's, it it's sold the same to, thing with Katy perry she was yeah. releasing singles off of that for three years three yeah, years that and that was the that was the last time and they were all number ones it really felt like all of pop culture was organizing around one album in a yes. way that will literally never happen again no it's like, not possible no it's not it's not possible to sell albums the way that teenage dream and 21 sold albums this is the beginning like the beginnings of the mcu proper like with you know with the iron uh, iron man films giving way to to everything that we understand the mcu to be now this is this is the very end of the monoculture and us organizing around single pop culture entities and kind of everybody knowing the same names it feels like a really good way to look at the end of the monoculture is to look at what britney spears was doing in 2011 Mm. so britney spears who had been obviously an icon above icons for years then had her falling apart in 2007 then we like culturally welcomed her back sort of with gimme more but ultimately sort of ultimately really with circus so 2011 was the release of femme fatale it had four singles all released in 2011 it had hold it against me at number one Till the World Ends at number three. Right. I Want to Go at number mm-hmm. seven. And then her own choice, Criminal, which was not obviously promoted because of the, the team around her. And that did not chart. So God, I love I Want to Go. That's actually one of my favorite Britney songs. I Want to Go is my favorite. Is is my favorite off of this album. Second favorite would be Till the World Ends. And then it's Hold It Against Me. You know, So it's actually opposite order. Hold It Against Me is not even on my favorites, but it is good. <laughs> but I mean, like those two uh, deserve so much more. And when we think yeah. back to that album, I think what people remember is Till the World Ends. Till the World yeah. Ends is a femme oh, fatale. Oh, 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 oh. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so, but when we look at Britney Spears in this on these terms, it's she's almost... Circus was a moment, but mm-hmm. Femme Fatale for some reason feels like we're on the verge of losing her. It's kind of like, yeah. okay, we're we've got these hits, but they're not lasting as long. They're well, not. It feels like staying. it feels like her transition point to her her fans will always buy her music, but she will not be making new fans. Yes, like it's that she will. You know, she could play she could play to her crowds for the rest of her life, and the crowds aren't going to go anywhere. But it feels like officially. Britney hits this place where Britney's albums are for Britney fans. They're not even necessarily for the radio anymore. Like, Till the World Ends, that played at every club. But yeah. that's that was it, and I think we all kind of knew it, right? Yeah. 
And plus, people really did believe that in 2012 the world was going to end. By the way, hold on, that's a whole other thing. That in 2012 was the Y2K of the of the aughts era, except that <laughs> yeah. Y2K was the aughts era. Can you believe that we have an era that had two year two different years they thought it was going to be the end of the world, and none of those years was predicting 2021. <laughs> at this point, I, I at this point, yes, I can. <laughs> so, looking at all of this culturally, we're we're in a time of great change, and yet what this movie is is reviving a corpse this movie is taking every familiar face you can think of and giving them a new character's name and when we say like familiar we mean like that's the like for the most part that is the level of recognition we are working at is familiar it's Like, like i know that face yeah this is this is this is 2011 and i'll just rattle off please who i remember cherry jones sarah paulson seth myers joey mcintyre josh duhamel zach efron abigail breslin sarah jessica parker ludicrous hillary <laughs> swank um the actor who plays the eastern european repair guy i can never remember his name but you'd know him he's a that guy kind of actor like fucking leah michelle ashton kutcher john bon jovi Catherine heigl sophia vergara where the fuck can was this lineup assembled? What of the 2011 zeitgeist tells you that this was the package? I, every scene is like, is this an A-lister question? In, this is A-lister actually? Yeah, A-lister actually? Because this movie wants you to Incredible. believe that you're going to be excited every time there's another cast member yes. reveal. And I'm going to say- yes. It does not have that effect necessarily. (laughs) (laughs) That is so important. It really, the way this, the way this rolls out supposes that you will feel that sensibility whenever you get, like, that you'll be like, oh, and you'll point at the screen excitedly. I just realized. And no one is wrong. None of these people are, I don't regret seeing any of these people. I just didn't expect Basically, any of them, kind of besides Jessica Biel. Jessica Biel, actually, to me, this format is like, actually, this is a Jessica Biel movie. Of Actually, of all the people in this movie, I would call this a Jessica Biel movie. I, You know what? I love that. For the genre of film that this is, this is this a Jessica This is a Jessica Biel, Biel movie. movie. Oh, my God. You're right. It is. It is. And Jessica Biel, that's why she's showing up and giving the most consistent performance. <laughs> yeah. Because I would say that we should go through this, like, couple by couple, like we did in Love Actually. But guess what? Why? Yeah, a little bit. I I think that this is going to be better to just do what the movie does. And when you feel it, say it. (laughs) Because that's a New Year's thing, right? See, that's the thing that this movie does. I I didn't even say Robert De Niro and Halle Berry before, but they're here too. They're here too. Oscar winner. (laughs) And Oscar winner. Two of them. Two Oscar winner. (laughs) Yeah. the, The thing that I think is the most... So when I say this movie, there's an audacity to it. I yeah. think that the bit, the most brazen thing that it does is it attempts to take a holiday with no culture. None. And, and invent, like, mythology around mm-hmm. New Year's. To make this movie, like, where love actually is like, hey, at Christmas, you can say anything. At Christmas, yeah. you tell the truth. At Christmas. Christmas is about radical transparency. <laughs> Christmas. In love actually. <laughs> Christmas is about uh, fucking your boss yep. and 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 telling people anything and using that yeah. the holiday as the excuse. Where New Year's Eve is about 
Um, I would say, well, there, there are a lot of things it's about, but, but one of the, it's not about getting drunk, no. which is crazy to me because that's, I thought one of the only things that New Year's is about. <laughs> yeah. It's not about finding a kiss at midnight. Not I was, really. su- I was surprised by that too. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it, wait, it, those are the one, only two things like we got. Two people are interested in that, in this. And, and by the way, the two people interested in it, I mean, are you, you're talking about the elevator and then Josh Jamal, right? Oh, I get, well, the. Because Leah Michelle's journey is not taking her to a kiss not. at midnight. She like ends up it's almost incidental. having one. Oh, it's but Abigail, Abigail Breslin. Breslin is trying to kiss You're the right. boy, and Michelle Pfeiffer has her Christmas list. But these things are not specifically even designated to a midnight moment. They're just looking for a kiss in general, right? It's I like think, I think Michelle Pfeiffer's is a kiss at midnight. I think Michelle Pfeiffer, because she's like trying to do the whole New Year's thing. You're right. You're right. Okay. I'll give Michelle Pfeiffer that. But Abigail Breslin just wants to kiss that boy. She just wants to kiss that boy. Yeah. And, and I will say, Sarah Jessica Parker just wants to meet that guy at midnight. Yes. <laughs> she's going to meet him. And by the way, she's half an hour late. Yeah. And Sarah Paulson, who is, by the way, married to Teal Schweiger in this movie, like, she wants Tell to have a baby at midnight. Last time you saw Teal Schweiger in a movie that was not directed by Uwe Boll, like, that, <laughs> like, like that was a like fantasy video game adaptation. Like, really? And, but but their plan is to have a baby at midnight. As so is Sarah Paulson. So is Seth Meyers and Jessica Beals. Because in, and in their the world is of New Carla Year's Cugino. Eve. Oh my God, I know. And and when you said that, like, I would be worried about everybody leaving my partner yeah. leaving me for Carla. Yeah. 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 And any spouse, male or female. I'd They're be like, all... oh my God, my partner's going to leave me for Carla Gugino. Why wouldn't they? Gugino. She's smart. She's funny. She's beautiful. She's obviously got a great job. And she sets <laughs> strict boundaries. These people are like, hey, deliver my baby at midnight. We'll split the prize money. And she's like, look, that's my day off. No. I'm not going to do that. No. Okay, because in the world of New Year's Eve 2011, there is a prize. If you have a baby, the closest baby born to midnight, the hospital just doles out $25,000. We're going to win the money. Oh, of course you are. <laughs> What money? Oh, the first baby delivered in the new year at this hospital gets 25 grand. Oh, no, 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 honey. I think it's uh, much less than that. No, it's 25 grand. 25 grand? Who pays for it? I don't know. Unknown. Wh- how long has this been going on? Doesn't matter. Yeah, your Where- insurance dollars at Yeah, work, I guess everybody. your insurance. Yeah, other people are. I can't even go to a hospital and be seen within six hours. <laughs> Maybe if they reallocated that $25,000 for the midnight baby, I would have a little bit better care. But instead, listen, you know what? It's New Year's Eve. And in the world of New Year's Eve, midnight baby gets 25K. Yep. So that's one thing. We got Hillary Swank. Hillary Swank plays Claire. Claire Morgan is like, uh, she is so enthusiastic for a holiday that nobody is enthusiastic for, which is hard to swallow until you start hearing her talk. So (laughs) it's like, you're like, okay, this is going to be an annoying character. Somehow never gets on my nerves. She just rattles things off. She's mostly just delightful. She just gets sillier and sillier because, and she's dressed like a flight attendant. I, she's dressed like a flight attendant. She's looking for it. We meet Claire over the, over, over great big world is playing by the way, great big world playing in 2011. Oh my God. Big world. Their hit say something actually wasn't until 2013. This is an end of the odds era band and we get it open. God, I hate that song. (laughs) Friend, if you want to cry, then listen to the original. If you want to wonder why Christina Aguilera is in it, listen to the one that got popular. Now, (laughs) yeah. 2011, they're opening. If you want to hear that live, go to the Hollywood Bowl show with Christina Aguilera. Oh my God, what a moment. She flew him out there. five feet away from Christina Aguilera, you guys. I was. She was right there. She was right in front of me. 
<laughs> Singing all our hits with an orchestra. Which, by the yep. way, I went to this. Friends, I went to this not knowing. she. I thought it was just a Christina Aguilera concert. Yeah. So I'm sitting there. I'm texting Jordan like, wait, with an orchestra? Yeah. And I'm like, yes, with the San Francisco, with San- the Los Angeles like symphony orchestra that's yes. literally why everybody's here i'm that's there we're gathered here today for i'm there because what a girl wants i'm there <laughs> to come on over baby i had no idea so okay yeah. back to new year's eve <laughs> which so, i'm surprised christina aguilera wasn't in this it movie. felt like she was gonna pop up at any moment <laughs> i i was wondering if she was in it i i forgot because who was our token pop star because there's always a taylor swift Leah i don't michelle. think we got oh leah michelle you're right <laughs> You're right. Okay. Because as I did say in the chat last night, this is a And John Bon Jovi. Much, and John Bon Jovi. This like as was discussed about Taylor's cover of Last Christmas oh, on wow. our Christmas mix episode. This movie is the 2007 Taylor Swift cover version of Love Actually. It is. That is such a good and, and friends, if you have not heard our mix CD episode yet, <laughs> you might be asking yourself, what does that mean? Go find out. I Go promise find you out, will be and rewarded. Then you'll under, and I think it should be, but even when I, even as I say that, even if you haven't listened to the episode, it should be clear to you that that is who Leah, Mich- that is Leah Michelle, Taylor Swift is to Last Christmas by George Michael as Leah Michelle is to Christina Aguilera. Like well that's said. an analogy that you should be able to crack pretty immediately. I mean, I'm into it. I just really want people to hear you explain it because <laughs> it is rewarding. Unbelievable. So, we meet Claire Morgan pinching her cheeks and asking the the person interviewing her if she's looking in the right place for a camera. I don't know, girl, do you see a camera? You and see then a we, camera anywhere? And we get the first joke of the movie, which is, this is radio. And you know, that's what you're getting. Yeah. This is the movie you have shown up for. You have, you've, got, you've got an Oscar winner pinching her cheeks and looking for a camera and saying, Where, am I looking in the right spot? At this point, she might have two. She might have. Yeah. She, yeah. Because as you said, if... She's either making an Oscar-winning film yeah. or she's making the worst movie ever. Hilary Swank has two modes of film she makes. She's going to win Best Actress or it's going to be the worst movie you saw that year. Those are the two gears that blessed Hilary Swank has. And I love Hilary Swank. And we're not even going to tell you which one this is. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and two of two, and both times Hilary Swank has won an Oscar, she has beat Annette Benning. Wow, poor Annette. Fuck. <laughs> like, who was actually deal. who was originally supposed to play the mother in Freaky Friday, although was replaced because of scheduling issues, was replaced by uh Jamie Lee Curtis. Wouldn't Wh- you know? And what a fortunate moment that was because Jamie Lee Curtis absolutely killed it. We'll never know what Annette Benning would have given, but <laughs> no, we, I, we don't. But I know what JLC brought to it and I'm grateful. So <laughs> yes. what we all then what we, we what we get with her are a series of platitudes, a series of like she says things like, You can't move midnight. You can't move midnight. Like, when, listen, we've got to get this ball to drop because, because it's malfunction. You, you've got one mandate here. Like, there's a lot of things we can, we can talk about. But the problem is, you can't move midnight. You can't move midnight, folks. And that is the message of this movie. She, she, she is the Lord of New Year's. She is here at Times Square presiding over this ball drop. And she yep. has one job. Her job, which, by the way, is like really a really big job that people are acting like it's not. Her one job is to make sure she she says it's to make sure the ball drops. It really is to make sure this event happens, this gigantic event with millions of people. She's basically the event producer of all of Times Square on New Year's Eve, which is like annually, surely one of the largest concentrations 
of people in the United States in one tiny location. That's not like an arena show. People in people go to this, and I've heard from people who have actually been here that you go to Times Square and you camp out all day to be in Times Square at New Year's. Yeah. You bring bottles and you pee in them because you're not going to lose your place. You wear extra layers because you will freeze to death. (laughs) This is a, this is not a friendly affair. This is a hostile winter environment that you are surviving. It's not a spontaneous thing. No. It's not a spontaneous thing. And multiple characters are treating this like it's a spontaneous thing. Multiple characters are treating this like it's a picnic in the afternoon. I can't believe it. So we're going up here. She's got, she's got a big Phillips switch. She's going to flip it. She's yep. like doing the whole thing. And there are reporters, by the way, reporters at every move. I can't believe it. this is <laughs> yeah, she in is the a world. Closely monitored woman in the world of New Year's Eve. She is. She is Lindsay Lohan. She has so many yeah. paparazzi yeah. like all over her trying to find out what's next. When she flips that switch, surprisingly, it's not it must not be connected to anything. Who knew? Yeah. But I, that's ultimately what I'm sure the engineer actually figures out is that. The well, ball. turns out nothing was connected here. Guess what? That ball might not drop at midnight after all. There's yeah. a shortage, and one by one, the lights go out. And and guess what? New Year's might well, not happen. Well, with today's supply chain, you know. Really, and 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 now that is the now. I would say that in the whole film, that is maybe the biggest conflict. Will the ball drop? Yeah. At midnight. I I that to me is what the movie is. Now, we meet other characters that make it more fun than that. Because guess what? I don't really care about that. Yeah. Hillary Swank does her best. Doesn't matter. But we immediately after, we meet Michelle Pfeiffer. Play, which, by the way, this is my second favorite Michelle Pfeiffer role. And, and yes, I have seen most of her work. I love her. <laughs> I love her. But what she brings to this movie as a cat lady, uh, paired with Zac Efron, the two of them have the most chemistry in the entire movie. Absolutely, so, Zac Efron. This is uh, this might be my favorite Zac Efron performance. Well, it might, I think it's so his best goddamn performance. charming and charismatic. It's weird He's too like because it's the not, best case version of a bro. He is not. He is the most charming like club promoter type you've ever seen. Like he yes. is not a guy you'd want your friend to date in this movie. No. Like he's not charming in like a hot typical like high school musical Zac Efron way he's charming in like a oh he's kind of a weirdo (laughs) but he's quirky and that is fun and he's confident and he's ready to have a good time and he's creative and it's like I don't know why I he actually built a character that is completely different than any character I've ever seen him do and or really a character I've ever seen exist He's the bike messenger of, of Michelle Pfeiffer's character that she regularly interacts with at work but never remembers him. She quits her job and presents Mr. Hot Bike Messenger with her wish list and is like, if you can make all these things come true, I will give you my my passes to tonight's New Year's Eve celebration. And this list, it includes things like save a life, go to Bali. Go to Bali. And he manages to creatively problem solve every single thing on her list. I want to. I want to say... This is everything you know about his character. She hands him this list and he looks at it and he goes, can do. Yep. I couldn't believe, he, not even a hesitation. This guy doesn't look no. at it and go, hmm, this seems tough. He's like. It's like he's been asked to do every one of these things before and has already accomplished them. That's how quickly he has answers. And and we get, where, where everybody else's story moves at the pace of molasses, this story gets like montages. Of yeah. solutions. I mean, he's like, you want to stand in two places at once? I'm taking you to a giant walkable map. We're going to put you in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to put you every in. every borough in, in one day? Yeah. Here you go. A That's huge it. to scale map of, of the entirety of the five boroughs. You're right. And I just took that from Walk to Remember, by the way, because I just 
com- I put the two together because basically he's walked remember except she's not going to die. And so, <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah. So he, she walks over, by the way, a place she shouldn't be walking. And then it's no. like, he gets her, she's flying over at the, at, at the Rockettes. Like, yeah, he can like get, he like knows a guy or something at, knows somebody at a place everywhere. that looks like Radio City and gets her strung up doing like aerial an aerial effect over the stage. This is a guy connected to every it's, single aspect of Manhattan. It's totally radio, radio City because we meet the Rockettes at the very beginning because Sarah Jessica Parker is their seamstress. That's right. That's what And Sarah Jessica at. Parker is Zac Efron's sister. And I think that Not was who... Sister. Sister, Being guys. Sister. Sister. <laughs> sister. <laughs> she is 22 years older than him. But they're brothers. Could he sister. not have been her nephew? <laughs> SJP is not an old woman. That is not what I'm saying. And being an old woman is not wrong, but it no, is no, absolutely no. senseless. But the but the casting to write was Zac silly. Efron as her younger brother. They could be cousins. There are a lot of ways they could have done this, but they were like brother sister. Brother sister. And Abigail Breslin plays Sarah Jessica Parker's daughter, who relentlessly drags her for wearing the cutest fucking winter clogs. Her with, a clog is with a heel. Outstanding. Oh my god, she is the cutest little like winter she's seamstress. So chic. She got here from the North Pole, but she's ready for the runway. I was yes. like, wow. And and people are dragging her, including Zac Efron, on the phone later. I'm like, everybody needs to relax because she's dressed better than literally everybody in this film. She's the only woman that doesn't look like a flight attendant. And she keeps getting told, she keeps getting told that she needs to, like, try. Oh, my and, God. E- like, explicitly and implicitly, she needs to try to get a man. And it's like, oh, gosh, I don't know. She probably is busy holding down a full-time job to be a single parent of her teenage in daughter. New York she City. also has to take care of. Yeah, it clearly a, like, maximum two-bedroom, maybe one, in New York City. Yeah, I bet her plate's a little bit full, all of you ingrateful bastards. Meanwhile, her 15-year-old, Abigail Breslin, is just like, Mom, you need a man. Just like you yeah. said, just like you said, but like, and it's like explicitly says, mom, I think you need a man. That's yeah. your problem. That's your problem. Mom, you've stopped trying. Okay. And you're being all clingy and mean. And it's because you don't have a man in your life. You really got to find somebody. You know, I feel like she's doing just fine. Looks great. And cool job. Looks great. She's killing it. She's got connections. Yep. And what we are to find out later in her love story, which is, I think really fun actually, is that yeah. throughout the film, it's we don't really know what's where where things are going with her other than that she's like watching over a very wild daughter who is doing yeah. whatever she pleases in a city that will kill her okay yeah. and like <laughs> yeah. and the movie and the movie's just like this is fun and it's like so she's doing the best she can with a kid that needs to be grounded for 5 years yes this kid needs to be grounded until she's an adult and on her own this kid i mean honestly i don't think yeah. like in movies i'm always like Ugh, they want to send their kid to boarding school send, send abigail her. breslin to boarding school send this boarding daughter school. earned it get out of here send her to military school Put oh my god discipline in her. teach her how to use a gun well wait <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know i just felt like that's that's what that's the next logical step right i mean <laughs> so but god she needs a skill that's all yeah. Because she doesn't she have one. any skill. One of my favorite jo- This is a Besides weird- Besides being a burden on her mom. In in such a strange twist, this movie gives you both the worst, hokiest dad jokes, and then, like, really funny zingers out of nowhere. Like, Abigail Breslin pulls up her shirt to reveal her- She's like, this is not a training bra. And her mom's like- And this is not Girls Gone Wild. Oh, my God. And I, like, laughed out loud. I'm like, first of all, Girls Gone Wild joke, aughts. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but also Sarah Jessica Parker's delivery. I'm like, you know, despite being read thin material, these actors yes. really are delivering. They're A-list actors for some of them. Yes. And so they're, the delivery is funny. 
But where And it's like, hey, you know how you you know how you don't prove you're responsible enough to go out with your friends into Times Square on New Year's Eve? Lifting up your whole shirt on a busy set of stairs down to a subway platform to prove to me that you're an adult. If you're, that is not no. how you prove to me you are responsible enough to have extra leeway on New Year's Eve. No, that's how you prove absolutely that you belong in boarding not. school. Yep, Send that not, girl Abigail. to boarding school. God, get her. You know who this She needs Marla Maples from Christmas List <laughs> up in here trying to send this girl to Bellevue. Get her to Bellevue fast. Fast. Because her mom has her own Christmas list that we are to find out later um, that a year ago. So throughout this film, there's so there's a second story that is uh, uh, criminally slow where <laughs> Joshua Dumal is at a wedding for Joey McIntyre, but his car breaks down so he needs to hitch a ride with the pastor who's driving an rv who he's yeah, gonna he's like the, the only for. attendee of joey mcintyre's wedding and then needs to like thumb a ride from upstate to manhattan for an unknown on new year's on new year's eve and in in the rv as we meet more and more characters like we meet like the wife we meet the kids it's crazy we continue we meet to grandpa. meet characters we meet grandpa why we meet pervy grandpa i i mean truly why and so we find out that he is supposed to meet somebody at midnight that a year ago he met like the girl of his dreams. And she was like, she wrote him a note and they're like, and, and they're so impressed by the way, because they read it out loud. And he says the last line, like just the last part of the last line. He's like on new year's at midnight. And then she's like, you memorized it. It's like, I don't know, bitch. Seems like he just knows when <laughs> yeah. also not a lot of lines. Yeah. It's, it's meet me at this, re- meet me at this restaurant me, New Year's if you If you're still interested up. a year later, sorry, my life's real complicated right now, but if you're still interested, meet me here at midnight and we'll see. Yeah. You know what? I love, I love shit like that. Oh, that's great. I, I, I love that as a, as a premise for a New Year. That's a great premise for a New Year's Eve movie. Into that. You know what? If that had taken 90% of the real estate in an interesting way and not in a hitch and a ride kind of way. Like yeah. if I had seen that unfold a little more than I saw, like the ball has stopped and we need an electrician like yeah. that plot point. Not so much. It's crazy how the ball, the ball not dropping adds an element of adds the ask the question of like, are there not 30 other stories that we need to tell here? Don't they? <laughs> like, there are other, are, isn't there other conflict we need to move through right now? Like why are yeah. we, by the way, there's a press conference for the ball not dropping halfway through the movie and she gives a speech like it's the end and it it, is the this is a this is a fade to black speech about the moral of the story because that's what new year's is all about getting another chance a chance to forgive to do better to do more to give more to love more and Stop worrying about what if and start embracing what will be. The credits are about to roll. People should be crying. It is like the things that she says, by the way, rambling. Yes. Absolutely rambling about the meaning of New Year's, which nobody knows the meaning of New Year's because it's not a holiday (laughs) with meaning. Again, I want to say this holiday does not have culture or meaning. It is just a holiday that happens and people wear black and gold sometimes. But as we are instructed in this movie, like... And don't forget, second chances, they don't expire until midnight. This is, And this is a thing that I say so much that I actually wrote it into a spec script for a New Year's horror film I made. Second chances don't expire till midnight. There Put that go. on a fucking t-shirt, Super Yaki. Watch out at midnight, guys. Listen, second chances don't expire till midnight. Also, what does that mean? 
That is the so that mean at midnight, hopeful thing. So, so my second chance me. is expiring in four hours? Yeah. I know she means this in a good way, but it means get, get your ass moving, buddy. Your second chance yeah. is almost over. Yeah. But the way she says it, it's like she says it like it's a thing everybody knows and people have said for years. Yeah, like we like we all always say, second you, chances don't expire till midnight. You know what they say at New Year's? Yeah. Second chances don't expire till midnight. So, of yeah. course, you know. Uh, you know, it, it, to the point where if you just said, hey, second chances, people would know to complete it with they don't expire. They don't till expire till midnight. Til midnight. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I challenge you, Odds Cheerion listeners, when we say second chances, you fill in that yep. blank. Second yep. chances. Second chances, you know. Don't expire till midnight. They don't expire till midnight, thankfully. But here's what I will say. Uh, sometimes the expiration date is put on things a little early. So, like, look, if you're if you were trying to meet the person that you love, just remember that second chance might be good half an hour later. And I say this specifically in the case of Josh Jamal's character because yeah. Sarah Jessica Parker is the secret Cinderella. And yeah. she is going to be half an hour late. But thank God, Josh, he's sitting there with his fucking champagne. He's under the stars or the, the, and this the lights. And after, mind you, he wasn't just on his way to Manhattan to meet mystery Sarah Jessica Parker. He had to swing by his mom's Christmas party for the record label she owns that it seems like transferred to her after his father died oh my god i forgot about that there a toast turned down multiple women who are propositioning him for what sounds like group sex no it's she's definitely she's like i want to be behind you i want to be in front of you and then the other and then one of them says you can't turn it get away from us this year it's like hold on these women these women try to do it last year too yeah they this (laughs) specific pair of women yeah I'd love to be the woman behind you. Oh. <laughs> and I'd love to be in front. <laughs> oh, I'm a sandwich. And good for them. I'm glad this is like a thing they do. I mean, like go out like looking for hot rich men to like tag team. That's exciting. The fact but I love that they like, know what they want. He has to make a stop by that party first on his way to destiny. It is honestly truly shocking that he has to do that because when he gets there, we meet his mom, who, by the way, is a character we met a minute and a half ago. But yeah. it's, it's just like a lady holding a dog. Just Cherry Jones holding the dog. I cannot believe. I'm like, oh, that's a lesbian from Transparent. Okay, sure. I'm here <laughs> yeah. for this. This is an actor who is a, a great actor who's playing a part with three lines yes. and then an additional line later. It's it's really spectacular the the way they squander talent or or <laughs> yeah. and, and, and write in moments that it's like, wow, Cherry Jones is going to just like hold a dog? She's his mom yeah. that he has to go to this party. Why? Why? No reason. No. Because <laughs> where he has to be is a beautifully lit street. The only empty street on New Year's in Manhattan. Yeah, somehow Little Italy utterly abandoned no people. on New Year's Eve. Yeah. Everybody's at the square apparently because this street totally empty and just magical. But listen, she's going to roll in on her carriage. She's not wearing clogs, which is fine. That's a choice that the movie really wants you to believe in. I don't she's believe in that. like, I'm going to guess six to seven inch Louboutins. These heels are unbelievable. She is draped in at least $30,000 worth of clothing. <laughs> Unreal. Explains why they live in that one bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, unless she's got that on loan... I don't know, guys. You look beautiful. Well, I had a year to get ready. But but she's there. He has waited. Thank God. It's been a year. And they realized we are meant to kiss. And what I love that this movie does in a really fun moment is as they're 
So Hillary Swank is running away from once she like so I'm just gonna sum up her thing because it doesn't even matter. So Hillary Swank calls an electrician that they fired, and she's like that she wasn't a part of the firing of, and Kaminsky. he's like the only man that can fix this light, and so <laughs> the only man in all of New York who can fix the ball, and he. So she hires him back. He fixes the ball. The ball's going to drop. And she looks at him and hands him the fucking keys to the car. She says, As a reward for 37 years of service before being temporarily relieved of your duties, I officially hereby leave you in charge. Yeah. She put. you're not an electrician. You're, you're an event events coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. So now he is presiding over the largest event in New York every year. I could. I can't <laughs> yeah. believe it. I cannot believe it. So she yeah. fucking bolts. She's running through the streets of New York, runs past a clock that she has to look at because it's almost midnight. And Josh has to look at the clock. And you think, oh, my God, they're there to meet each other. And guess what? Yeah. They're fucking not. They keep running. Love it. That's a great moment. And, and, and that's the. That's. And that leads us to the. This is where it was like they saw what Laura Dern's storyline was in Love Actually. They and they were like, we need one of those. Yeah, we don't have a Laura Dern yet. Lindy, so sorry. Laura Linney, my what bad. What could Hillary Swanks be? She gets to Robert. So this is where it brings us to Robert De Niro and Halle Berry. I, the re- only reason we've really skipped this story is because there isn't a story. So Robert De Niro is dying. His doctor yeah, is, is giving it. this man more care than any doctor's ever given a person ever. Because the doctor <laughs> looks at the chart and says things to his patient. Couldn't mm-hmm. believe it. In a hospital? Yeah. In a, yeah. Sorry, in a hospital like, on U.S. Like soil? concierge care. Cannot believe it. Then Halle Berry's in there. She's a nurse. And guess what? She gets to spend her whole shift in there. And then I'm thinking, Old. well, maybe she clocked out. And it is confirmed at the end of the movie. They're like, oh, shift's over. And I was like, she was literally napping next to Robert De Niro. Look, yeah. I get it. I wish we had that kind of care. We should have that kind of care. But the reality is <laughs> yes. we fucking don't. But watching this fantasy of what it is what it is to be in a hospital, a hospital that gives people 25 grand for having babies, I am like, <laughs> yeah. get me this magical health care that Gary Marshall has, has apparently been having that none of us have had. <laughs> because in this world, I mean, people are taken care of. So anyways, turns out Robert De Niro, who's supposed to be like a little bit rude, but like Halle Berry's like, well, maybe being an asshole is how it got you to where you belong. I guess. Big yikes. But okay. And uh <laughs> And he's he's like doctors are like he maybe will he won't make it till tomorrow. Mm, this guy mm-hmm. all he wants to do is see somehow a born and bred New Yorker. All he wants to do all is experience wants. the ball drop. He just wants once to see more it before he dies. He picked this hospital in particular so he could see the ball drop. And they're like, yeah. and and the reality is the doctor's like, dude, we're not going to take you on the roof. Yeah, I'm sorry, but you're you're about to die. So you know what Hillary Swank does? Because it turns out she's the daughter that he talked about who, when he was five, he kind of like ruined chances for her, but whatever. But when they yeah, went to his like, five, they used to do like, this. It seemed to have run out on her. Seems like he was not a good dad. And Terrible. yet she, Hillary Swank, this is a movie about women who do the most. She, <laughs> yeah. she fixes the city's biggest problem, apparently, according yep. to this movie. Fixes yeah, the biggest yeah. city's problem, the city's biggest problem, and has time to run across town to her dying dad, wheel him onto the roof, show him the ball drop. And I got to tell you, next scene they cut to her. It's two and a half minutes later. She's in. She finds a wheelchair in the hallway, sits in it, and looks at a Ziploc bag full of her dad's belongings because he's already been incinerated. He I can't expired. believe it. They are like he has expired. He's in the morgue. She's got his belongings. I can't believe it. They're still playing Odd Lang Syne. I'm like, what? And mind you, ladies and gentlemen, Odd Lang Syne is being sung by backup singer Liam Michelle. So because lead lead entertainment of the night all star pop star Jensen, ch- played by John Bon Jovi, who is, has the storyline we have going along with him the entire time is that he's supposed to play New Year's Eve and he's in love with Catherine Heigel and Catherine Heigel is the head 
uh, caterer for the event that Cherry Jones's character is throwing. Can you believe this? And he proposed to her a year earlier, but then like runaway brided her, just like bailed on their engagement. Yep. Because it's New Year's Eve, you want another shot at it? You walked out on me, Daniel. I think that says it all. You know, I didn't even get to make you one dinner in that apartment. You walked out before I unpacked the first pack of groceries. She won't forgive him. He's like, come on the road with me and tour. And she's like, thank God this movie let her be like, F you know. Yeah. I choose my, like, I was so worried that the end was going to be them being like, actually, you're right. I'll go on tour with you. But instead it's him being like, I'm going to cancel the tour and, you know, the et cetera, et cetera. I'll spend my this life making a- it up to you. This is a shockingly good story in all of this because it, I will it, say when this they inter- movie does not set the precedent that Katherine Heigl is going to get to stand up for herself in the end. It doesn't, and you cannot trust that that's what's going to happen because when they introduce her, first of all, they introduce her as the most unlikable character in the movie, and it turns out all she did was set boundaries that were appropriate. Yeah. Second, yeah. she's next to Sofia Vargas, who is just like giving us funny line after funny line. I mean, it is like she is Sofia Vergara never oh, takes thank her foot you, off Vergara, the gas, thank and you. I love I love her for that. She is doing everything right. As the as the overwhelmed sous chef the entire time. She is. She's giving us. She has a line. Oh God, what is the line? I fucking love her, and she's just like, oh. I'm delicate girl. The delivery of that, I it sends me every year. I love her. <laughs> There's a scene where where like uh, Catherine Heigl gets mad, so she throws eggs, which is like so fucking ridiculous. And you know what Sophia does? She's like, these are expensive eggs, so she picks them yeah. up and hands them to her. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. this is great. This feels like improv. It might be. I mean, it it's like be. the two of them are so good together. There is a a whole thing about like, how are they going to do something different at this like wedding, uh, not wedding, this event. And she decides that they're going to throw truffles with little parachutes down at the yeah. end, which by the way, I love an impractical dessert. Give yeah. me, if this food is more difficult. Little, little chocolates on parachutes to party guests. I can't believe these parachutes work. <laughs> I'm like, who tested this? Where did they get the parachutes? I mean, it seems like a lot of physics would have to go into this for the truffles to be delivered, but fine. Okay, so that's that's her whole thing. And Jensen, played by John Von Jovi, who is dressed like Clay Aiken, who has yes. like the like he is in look, and this is not because I'm ageist. This is because the movie makes him look ridiculous. He is an old he, lo- he looks like Old Man Winter, like like from the Jack Frost movie or something. He is just like <laughs> he's got this young twink hair, but like he is clearly he has clearly some decades of rock under his belt. It is. I mean, that is that, this movie necklaces. just basically styles John Bon Jovi like John Bon Jovi. Like that is how John Bon Jovi always dressed, no matter what. Always, but I bet, but I bet he was like, "I'm wearing my clothes to set," and they were like, "Okay, John Bon Jovi." What an interesting choice to have John Bon Jovi because in the odds, John Bon Jovi had had his successful career in the '80s. Then he had like "It's My Life" in like the year 2000. I want to say, which was yeah, a huge like, hit, very much and around like, the turn of the millennium. Yes. So very much a staple aughts rock star in that moment. But, you know, ultimately in 2011? 2011? 2011. Is he still relevant? John Bon Jovi. John Bon Jovi. Relevant enough to be this lead? To be this lead? This is how it heartbreaks. Oh, wait, no, that's Rob Thomas. Um, I yeah. enjoy, I enjoy, um, you know, the 80s rock. I, of course, like everybody oh, else you in give America, love a bad name. It's my life. Yes. 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 Um, and living on a prayer. And, yes. um, but the a terrible is, place to live, by the way. It's <laughs> a terrible place to live. A precarious place to live. Why did they assign John Bon Jovi the covers that they did in this movie? 
They're not songs that John Bon Jovi should have been singing. No. Keep on running, baby. Never gonna turn you loose. If we're going to have John Bon Jovi in this movie, have him sing songs that he is good at singing. So Instead, we get the have a little weirdest, faith. weirdest duet. I mean, I can think of in from different locations. Well, Leah Michelle and John Bon Jovi singing the same song. If, I mean, if we is, can, if we can put a pin in John Bon Jovi for just a second to set up the Leah Michelle, so you guys can know how fucking weird this duet is. So Leah Michelle is so there. The the other thing this movie does that I think is so atrocious is it introduces a New Year's Grinch, something that has never existed anywhere in the history of New Year's. So Ashton Kutcher plays a guy who hates New Year's. He's going around tearing down decorations off of his apartment walls, which by the way, these people decorate for New Year's like it's Christmas. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Who does that? Also, who yeah. has the time? We are all exhausted. We just had Christmas, but. He's ripping down these decorations and he's like, this is against the policy of the building. And he's on the phone telling his friend Zac Efron about it. And anyways, he goes into the elevator. Leah Michelle's in the elevator. They get stuck in the elevator. And then we proceed to have Stockholm Syndrome, the love story, where she's like, let me guess. You grew up in suburban fill in the blank. You went to la-di-da liberal arts school. You didn't have enough drive to get a real job. And then you grew half a beard and moved to Manhattan on your, your grandmother's inheritance. And he's like, well, yeah, I guess so. And then he draws yeah. her and a robot, and that's enough and to make her fall in love. A breakup, and honestly, that breakup was probably from five fucking years ago. Girl, I don't even know if it was a mutual breakup. Like, I think about it, I'm like, does this girl even know he had a relationship with her? So totally possible. It has that vibe. Like, it's yeah. like, this is very one-sided, and he blames all women. And Ashton Kutcher, kind of a live wire of a presence, oftentimes, has two facial expressions in this movie. And all of the, and, and both of them are conveying apathy ashton kutcher i gotta be honest look he's a he's a talented guy he is giving the least in this movie yeah and he's an actor known for giving the most right so it's like it's hard now look if you're in a room with leah michelle i imagine she sucks all the creative energy out of it i don't know her personally but i know she's racist right. that's fine that's enough right but i mean <laughs> okay i'm making assumptions i don't know this person but what we do know about her is that rachel berry her her character on glee is very much in tune with who she is in real life. Yes. It's also the only character she should ever play. And in this movie, lucky for us, she's playing it. She is yeah. the backup dancer for Bon Jovi, or the backup, backup singer, singer for, backup for singer. John Bon Jovi at New Year's in Times Square. And this is her big gig, and she's got to get there in time, but she's locked in an elevator, and it'll never happen. So when she <laughs> realizes that it's not going to happen, she starts weirdly singing, Have a Little Faith in Me, which, by the way, he had no, he's singing at a party, that party, right, with Cherry yeah. Jones, but there yeah. are no backup singers, so she wasn't even scheduled to be singing that song. Cause I've been loving you for such a long time, girl. Expecting nothing in return. Except for you to have a little faith in me. You see the time. Time is our friend. But for us, there is no end. All you've got to do is better have a little bit of faith in me. Because there would have been the other two backup singers. But nope. At this party, somehow, inexplicably, she is singing the other, like it, like it, like it's a duet. Yeah. And she's singing the harmonies. It is, while she's in the elevator and he's at this party, as if they are Fifle going west. This is somewhere <laughs> yeah. out there, under the moon. I am floored. The audacity. And this audacity. is essentially her singing because 
he's he was like, oh, okay, we'll sing me something. She's like, I don't sing for an audience of one. Oh like, my okay. god! But then she starts singing, and he looks at her like one time, and then he spends the rest of the elevator scene just drawing. He's not looking at her. He's not gazing upon her. He's just she's just off on the other side of the freight elevator singing, and he's just drawing away drawing with an agenda by the way because he wants his drawing to substitute his personality he wants her to look at that drawing and be like oh i guess i will kiss you and guess what unfortunately it works yeah so just as they're about to kiss the elevator starts working again and she rushes off to new year's and in in, in, you know in Times square which again i'm gonna say this she gets there very quickly in a city that that would never happen. At New Year's at New York City, New Year's gridlock traffic. The subway should be basically shut down. You are, I mean, unless she's on foot, and somehow she manages to get backstage in time to like go sing. And weirdly, Ashton Kutcher's already there, and she's like, he, "How did you get here?" She's like, he, "Everybody gets. Everybody in this movie gets to the front of the line at New Year's." Front Eve. of the line. Everybody knows somebody. He's like, "Oh yeah, I just told them I like worked here," and it's like, and then yeah, they he was said, like, "I yeah. told them I'm the pianist." Yeah, and and they said, "Yes, they got you back here with no." credentials also you managed to get through the crowd and find the one door where they work and there's somebody that you can let you i mean the fact that he's even back there just to say good luck (laughs) fine i get it fine Uh, in in the world of this movie that's that's what we're dealing with and so she gets out there and she sings what what was it was it it's not oddling sign it's another song that's inexplicably not new year's i don't remember what it is that she sings with john bon jovi as his backup but let's remember too that before Jensen goes out on stage. He's literally just sitting on a car behind oh the stage on an empty not part going of the street, on and performing. Weirdly. And Hillary Swank has to like give him a pep talk yes. to get him to go out there. He's like, you know, boy meets girl, boy loses girl, la da 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 da. And it's like, I'm glad your self pity is preventing you from doing your job, Jensen, and making everyone who is relying on you tonight making their life harder because you're having a pity party sitting on this car, you asshole. I am floored by his self-centeredness, but I mean, I get that that's his character, but the movie doesn't understand that it is. The fact that he's like moping around on the hood of a car in front of a crowd of a million people waiting for him to perform. I'm like, fuck off, dude. Also, that he basically, he pulls a Hillary Swank, throws the keys to, you know, I guess, Leah Michelle because she sings Odd Lang Syne by herself in some big reveal. Guys, here's the reality. If John Bon Jovi wasn't going to perform that night, they're calling a backup or they're canceling the performance. They are not having the backup singer who was untested go out yeah. there and sing Odd Lang Syne. And late. Also not the one who's on time. You know what? Who gets it? The other two that are barely late. Uh, yeah. Those other two were doing the duet. Sorry, but not Leah like, Michelle. I'm pulling the tour and goes to tell Catherine Heigl, I'm pulling the tour. I just want to be with you. And that's when we cut to the stage and Auld Lang Syne is playing. And Leah Michelle has just been gifted the honor of being the night's entertainment on New Year's Eve. Well, because. You can't move midnight. So that's midnight. the thing. You can't call it. This is it. She's no who's here. how much you might want to. You can't to. move midnight. And and my favorite, my fa- one of my favorite lines around this time is like right before they know if the ball's going to work. And then one of the news reporters is like, anxiety is now the prevailing mood in Times Square. And I'm like, what a mood. <laughs> what a mood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah relatable. But, you know, what it comes down to is Hillary Swank is here to give everybody else a pep talk. But who is here yeah. to give... Hillary Swank a pep talk, pep talk. Let me tell you, it's Mr. Buellerton, played by Ferris Bueller. Yeah, whatever you said. Okay. Anyway, fix it. I will. Otherwise, you're gonna hear a speech from me about the new vice president of the Times Square Alliance. Okay, um, I'm not gonna let you down or the world. I promise, sir. Pl- well, both <laughs> she gets pep talks from Mr. Buellerton 
and ludicrous. Okay, you're right. And ludicrous, who was the backbone of this fucking movie, but also yeah. a racist caricature of a, a person of a black man supporting yeah, a white like woman. Yeah, a wise, yeah. stoic black man meant to like guide the decision making of a white woman. It is. Listen, I I am here. I think Ludacris is one of the best characters in the movie just because I love watching him perform. His his charisma is there. Where's his story? You can't just have five kids show up at the end and be like, I guess he's a character now. No. Yeah, I thought I thought he was flirting with her. I did too. So when they introduced that he had a wife and kids, I was like, hold on, what? They're yeah, not a love yeah. story? This is Yeah, I, oh, this story doesn't end with, no, oh, this is going to end with her with cancer, dad? Oh, wow. But one of my favorite lines comes in her response to Mr. Bullerton where she says, I'll be sure I don't drop the ball. On the ball drop. Yeah. And then she says, I'm not going to let you down or the world. Because I don't or know. The one world. thing that has been made very clear throughout this movie is that the whole world is watching for this ball drop. The whole world in its own there time zone. New Year's that New Year's Eve is the most important. Locally in any other country. Nope. They're all waiting no. for this one. And and in a, in a very, like, in the way that Love actually has, like, kind of, like, the the whole, like, uh, 9-11 at the airport thing. They try and do that. They're like... New Year's is the one time that brings everybody across the world together. It's fucking not. I'm sorry. It's yeah. not. It's not. It's not. You can't You can't just say it and it's true. It's not how it works. <laughs> um, but, you know, she's not going to let the world down. And guess what? She doesn't. Repairman's in charge. She's there with her yeah. dead dad. I can only presume she dumps him off the side. They don't show what happens next before that and the, and the, the baggie of his stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. What we do learn well, is that... Then, and then- yeah, yeah. And then Halle Berry, Halle Berry. Wears, wears an evening gown to Skype with her husband, Common. Looking deployed, gorgeous. Deployed in the deployed into a war zone. So we get that just stuck on at the very end. Can't even believe. Not only is that stuck on, but like her whole movie. That, so her her character story, okay, is to follow, is to encourage a, de- a man that's dying to like make him feel better. Then hop on a Skype call with a man who might die. And yeah. she to encourage him that, hey, we'll get through this. You'll live. I mean, it is like, holy shit. Well, what's yeah. she going to do tonight? Yeah, Hallie is pulling a lot of emotional weight with her right now. She she really is. And it's like, who is there for Hallie? Well, it's a real Laura Linney, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That that's kind. Of, it is. It's a it's a total Laura Linney. I I do want to give a shout out to Piper's mom. Piper's mom. I was mom. gonna say we really before we before we wrap up we have to shout out the the silent MVP of this movie and that is Piper. Piper's mom. mom. There is an ongoing gag where um Abigail Breslin has a friend named Piper whose mom is like obsessively like stalking them, but really what she's doing is being a good mom. I mean these fifteen year olds are out in Times Square and the mom is giving them a ride. She's like yeah, watching the, over them, like, whatever. There's a, there, it says something about Piper. She's like, well, Piper's mom will be there or something. And it gets brought up that like, oh, Piper's mom like waits for her at, in the bushes outside the school every day to like make sure she gets home. And it's like, okay, that is kind of a lot. But That's when weird. we meet yeah. Piper's mom, she doesn't say a word. She's just keeping a distance from all the children, letting them do whatever they want. And then she's going to take them home at the end of the night. Yeah. Now, what- if that's Piper's mom being a helicopter parent... That's oh, that's that's a workable version of a helicopter parent. And the gag, the way she appears behind doors, under it's behind funny. menus, it it's hilarious. The execution is so good to the point where like one of the characters is like, "Who is that?" It's so yeah, who funny. Is that? So like Piper's mom, New Year's Eve MVP. I am yeah. so here for her. 
Yeah. Piper's and and there there's a part where in the very beginning when Abigail Breslin is meeting up with the boy, Sam typed into the chat. He was like, "This is so 15." And then when they finally kiss at the end, because she saw him kissing another girl when the ball dropped at New Year's, but that girl kissed him even though he let he her totally kiss him let for that a happen. very yeah. very long time. Did not that was stop a two sided that. affair. And then they finally Abigail and the boy meet up at the end, and she kisses him. And the kiss looks so 15 years old. I mean, it is, it is the most uncomfortable hysterical. kiss. Also, yeah. these kids, the fucking nerve. She's like, can we go talk somewhere? And he pulls her into the kitchen of a restaurant they don't work at. Excuse yeah, me. Get out of Excuse here. me. What are you doing here? Kick them out. Send Piper's this mom, girl to boarding school. Send, <laughs> she is she is running amok in New York. I am running And amok. I have had enough. Okay, <laughs> we have to draw a line here. And then, you know, by the way, in, the, in, in what a weird fucking move with this one. But um, the baby's born at midnight. It turns out like, uh, of course, because this, this is a Jessica Biel movie. Jessica Biel and Seth Meyers, their baby is born the closest to midnight. But they realize that uh, the dueling couple who, by the way, fresh, pr- fresh face of paint. These women about to deliver. Fully, fully rouged, curled yeah. hair, cannot believe. Yeah, Jessica puts on a full beat in between bouts of talking to the OBGYN. And honestly, it's real uncomfortable seeing them doll up Sarah Paulson like that. I'm like, this woman I, doesn't I, wear this level of makeup. I don't know. I don't know when Sarah Paulson started living out in her life, but I feel like if she wasn't at this point, this movie let her know. Yeah, this movie, this movie is, I mean, it's, it's. This movie let her know that heterativity, heteronormativity was not the way. Like, this isn't and if quite she like. she was already out and I just didn't know that already, then this was a movie, I'm sure, that she made and was like, thank God this is not my life. Like, to put it on a scale of things, like, this isn't fully, like, E.T. coming out of the closet with lipstick and a hat, but it, it does. <laughs> I'm not going to say it doesn't have that vibe. Do you know what I mean? Like, it really doesn't feel right. It's just like I'm watching it. it I'm like, does, no. It does so, not. I said to Sam in the chat, I hope Holland Taylor and Sarah Paulson watch this and get wasted every year and rip it apart. I fucking hope. And so, you know, they end up not being, but they're the, but, but Seth Meyers realizes that they're the couple that deserves it the most because they have so many kids. And so they're like, okay, well, what time was your baby born? And he's like 12.05. And him and Jessica Biel look at each other, even though he, by the way, has not consulted his wife. Have they not talked about their finances? We don't know. I mean, is he setting up this kid for a future of, I don't know. I don't know what what is what yeah, it beholds. Dad, Dad surely has debt from veterinary school. And they look at Carla, the, the doctor, and she's just like, yep, looks like I'm committing fraud. Sounds good. And she just <laughs> writes it down. I can't believe it. All of this. I am just like, what the actual fuck? So that's the end of their story. And I will yeah. say, as we mentioned earlier, Zac Efron does show up to Michelle Pfeiffer in, the, in Times Square and gives her a midnight kiss after they kind of like... He kind of like low key called her a loser on the phone to a friend and she yeah. overheard it. And she's like, yeah, well, then fuck you. I'll go finish my list myself, which she should. And then he yeah. realizes beca- that he fucked up and he goes and gives her that kiss. And honestly, in one of the best Zac Efron moments in fucking time, a it's piece great. of giant confetti accidentally flies into his mouth and he smiles knowing that that is wrong. Like the take is wrong. <laughs> and he pulls it out, leans in and goes for the kiss and they keep that take. It is Perfect. It is a flawless New Year's moment. It is a wonderful moment. And then he's like, What the hell are you doing? I'm twice your age. Final resolution. Midnight kiss on New Year's Eve. Boom! Check it off. Take a cup of Check. I mean, it. He is the best life coach in this movie. Yes. It's, it's inspiring. It is it is such a good time and it and the whole movie ends in a dance sequence 
where everybody is dancing to Pink's um, Raise Your Glass, which yeah. if you all don't know, Raise Your Glass was a was like a bonus track on her Greatest Hits album that was promoted as a single. That's right. And it was so fucking good. Um, so good. It, it really was the song to end a decade, and then they used it in this movie. And so, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it even though it's not a New Year's song, it very much feels like one. It's like, yep, this is right. And so everybody is dancing, and Zac Efron shows that he still got it. He is Gail Weathers, Scream 4, still got it. He is <laughs> he is strutting his fucking stuff. He gives it like you never, you can bet on it. He's there. And Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer's character, Michelle Pfeiffer is committed to that her, like, homely character isn't going to move her legs when she dances. So she's just going to do erratic All things upper with body. her upper body, and it's adorable. It's so cute. The two of them, oh my god, I want their spinoff movie. Where the fuck is New Year's Eve 2 starring only them? Yeah, I want I want them to like I like where's Barb and Star? Oh my go god, go to Vista Del Mar, but Zach and Michelle. The, their chemistry is undeniable. It's where they're like hooking up, but they're also like helping each other, like be each other's wingmen. Oh my god, I want that movie. <laughs> I want it now. I want it with Michelle Pfeiffer and Zac Efron now. And I I want to add, if you are watching this movie, do not turn it off when Zac Efron starts dancing. Please stay no. tuned because actually the funniest parts of the movie are in the po- are in this credit sequence. Because they start. I think my, my favorite part is the birthing scene. They start seating in these bloopers, like what, whatever, and you can see that the actors were having fun with it. A couple of examples before getting to the best joke, which is the birthing scene. Um, <laughs> like so, Hillary Swank and and Josh Jamal when they go to see the clock and they go run past each other because you're like, oh, it's them, and then it's not. Instead, they look at the clock and they kiss. Yeah, and it's great. They do the moment that you think it's going to be. And then they kiss yeah, and then I'm they look so at each other and then they keep running. It's so funny. And then there's another one where Hillary Swank switches places with Robert De Niro and and, and like dying <laughs> dad is wheeling her up to the roof. And it's like, that is, oh it's my like God. It's funnier than you think it's like, we're explaining it and it probably doesn't, but like, no, 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 no. You have to practice, understand. It's like, no, this is funny. It's like, no, this is a good and bit. I think why it's so funny is because the movie takes itself so seriously that these actors <laughs> yeah. know. These actors know and they're having fun with it. And like, and then the director is obviously in on it because then like yeah. he's putting it in the credits. But my favorite one is when Carla is delivering the baby and she pulls up a copy of Valentine's Day on Blu-ray <laughs> on, on Blu-ray, and then pulls a second copy up on DVD. And she's like, oh, what do we have here? I think we have oh, twins. She and she's like Jessica Biel's face is right next to camera. And she turns around and starts like crying like a mother has just given birth and Carla Gugino just goes oh you are a goddess it is a perfect moment it is like a perfect moment if you want to know if the actors know exactly what they were making in this moment this lets you know they know exactly what they're making Valentine's Day I they knew this is a hot steeping steaming pile of garbage and it's (laughs) a-okay because they're all getting a check and they only had to show up to set for a day each like truly like Robert De Niro one set one room one they day. shot Robert De Niro Halle out in Berry, a day same Halle Berry two max one and a half maybe yeah maybe yeah I mean it these are that's the benefit of a movie like this they can get all these like high people because they're high up people this because movie, of that this movie is like the America's Next Top Model group photo that they just composite every model oh my into God, yeah and make it a group shot. Like it is all they, but they it take thinks it's separate studio portraits and they edit them all together and one by one they fade away. This movie thinks it's the cover of Vogue that has like the Olsons and Raven and Lindsay Lohan <laughs> and Hillary Duff. Oh, no, the Vanity, the the Vanity, Vanity Fair, Fair. That's what it is. Young this Hollywood? movie oh, yeah. thinks it's Vanity Fair, but it's actually America's Next Top Model's group photo. 
Like that's yeah, that's <laughs> what it is. And so this movie thinks it's an Annie Leibovitz photo, and it's actually the ANTN composite. <laughs> that is the best fucking summary of what this yeah. of New Year's Eve 2011 is. So for I mean, me, Tyra might as well have directed this movie. So look. Is, well, I, I mean, did Tyra direct it or did Chance direct it? How is Tyra not it? in this? Because there How are, is Tyra not in this? The fact that they, I mean, this is Tyra Erasure. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. it's because they had Halle Berry and Ludacris and they were like, okay, the rest of the cast is white. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, yeah, really, seriously. it was like, whoa. I mean, you had, <laughs> yeah. you cast 55 people and that many of them are white. Welcome to 2011. <laughs> it, it, things had to change. So it's like, look, is, is New Year's Eve 2011 a good film? No. No. Is New Year's Eve 2011 a good time? Yes. Yes. You are yes. going like and and, and, I and say why that it's so special. Started to me. the episode by saying seven percent was the right amount, and I still would say get a group of people together and celebrate New Year's Eve with New Year's Eve. Yeah, I'm gonna and you know what? I will agree with you. I think seven percent. It would have been if they had if this had a twenty, it would have been false advertising. Like I I do think that seven percent. It's like okay, now you know what to expect. I yeah. I do want to say this. What is so special to me about this film and why to me it's odds Tyrion is because it could not exist in any other time. This movie had to. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like this could exist again. It could it, only it not, happen. Not now. It, it only happened as a result of an entire decade that pushed to this exact moment, uh, <laughs> and and a decade of excess. And this movie is just bathing in that excess, but also the revival of that, an- like the reanimation of a corpse. I mean, this is, it could only happen in this exact moment and it will literally never happen again. And so no. New Year's Eve 2021, or sorry, 20, 2011, the ten- oh celebrating the 10th anniversary New Year's Eve 2021 would look like euphoria and be extremely depressing. <laughs> oh my God, can you imagine? God, somebody, somebody give me that IP. Yeah. Let me let me give the gritty Sam reboot. Needs to reboot a franchise, you guys. Yeah, you know it's my lifelong dream. I want to reboot yep. a franchise. Exactly. Give me give me New Year's Eve. Here it is. Give me New here Year's Eve. Is. That's that's the one. <laughs> Honestly, throw a fucking killer in here, and you've got a great horror movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. Let the connective tissue be a murderer. And I, where a lot of these movies, the length is just exhausting. This is a movie where you won't even know what time it is. It's under two hours. You know, Love Actually is a is a two hour and 15 minute experience. This is under two hours. And if you do it like I do, I will share. Last year uh, for New Year's Eve, I timed it so the ball dropped at exactly midnight. So all of my friends watching online, we could enjoy that ball drop at the exact right moment. It is possible. You can do it too. <laughs> um, it is just... Uh, because you can't move midnight. You can't move midnight. And friends, just remember, uh, as you watch this film, Second Chances... Don't expire till Don't midnight. Expire till midnight. So, happy New Year from Otsterion <laughs> to you, and 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 specifically Hillary Swank, who is just <laughs> <Yeah>. this movie. <laughs>